I know, I know this church loves the song, so.
Shout hallelujah! Shout hallelujah! Hallelujah! Lift up your hands to Jesus all over this place. If you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, I want you to take it. Just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Lift up your voice and just pray in the Holy Ghost. Kima talabondo shekepe alaba. Kepe tepe alapampa alabosha. Sekete lendeli aboze lebelebe. Apampa alabosha. Le sekete leandoze le. Ikalada zelebelebe. Imala tando zelebe. Ke pantala bosha. Kia la bosha. Father, we thank you. We thank you in Jesus' precious name we have prayed. And the people say amen. amen. Hallelujah. May you be seated. How many of you have been blessed so far this week? Amen. Tonight is going to be good. Tonight is going to be Tonight is a good night. Amen. How many of you came expecting? How many of you came believing? Glory be to God. Who who here is your first night tonight? First nine, praise the Lord. Welcome. Hallelujah. Where are you coming from? The Woodlands. I was just there today. I had an um, early dinner at the Woodlands. <laughs> Beautiful place. Actually, I just told my wife, let's go hang out at the Woodlands tomorrow. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to continue my message from last night. How many of you remember the message from last night? How to receive your miracle. Amen. How to receive your miracle. Number one, you must recognize that the days of miracle has not passed. And healing is included in Christ's ministry for everyone who is sick today. You must recognize how to receive miracle. You must recognize that healing is included in Christ's ministry for everyone who is sick today.
I said people are healed when they have a revelation of truth. People are healed when they have a revelation of truth. When they have a revelation of Jesus as their healer. When you come into the realization, the revelation, when you come into the knowledge of the fact that Jesus is your healer, that is when you receive your healing. Because, you know, I haven't been a Christian for, many long, for a long time. A lot of some people here, maybe not this church because this is a soul winning church, so it is always fresh souls coming in. But in a lot of places, or, you know, maybe, maybe here some people at least, a few people here, you've been a Christian even longer than I have been alive. So you, you, the promises of God is not given to you just because you've been in the church for a very long time or you've been a Christian for a very long time. You become a partaker of the blessings of God when you realize that the promises of God are for you. There is one thing to know about the promise and to know that the promises are for you. I said yesterday that you have to look at the Bible not just as a book to study, but as God's letter to you. You never read the Bible just to know the word. You read the Bible because you want to find out what God is saying. The word of God is God's voice for you. Somebody asked you, somebody, um, I was doing Instagram live yesterday when we went to Highway um, 6 Tackle with Pastor Cindy and Pastor George. We risked our life just to get some, <laughs> just, to, just to get some tackles. When we decided we were going to Highway 6 Tackle, Pastor Cindy is like, hey, Georgie, do you have your gun? <laughs> You know, it's, you know, you're risking your life, but you know, not Pastor George, but his son. George, said, well, at least if you get shot, you die happy. <laughs> you have a taco in your hand. What else, what else can you ask for? Hey, why, why are you in heaven so early? You're not supposed to be here. Oh, God, you know. I risk my life for a dollar fifty tacos. There are certain things that are worth it, you know. If you die for the tacos, the angels will give you half five. <laughs> so <laughs> I was, you know, there's a lot of things I'm not willing to risk my life for. I don't take risk except for the gospel and tacos. <laughs> you know, I don't ride on a roller coaster, never. There are certain things I wouldn't do. My wife wants us to jump off a plane. I'm not doing that. I always sound like, I was like, at least one of us has to be alive to take care of the kids. Why should the two of us jump off a plane? Let me wait for you on the ground. However you make it to the ground, you know, at least one of us got to take care of the kids, you know. <laughs> so there are certain things I don't risk my life for at all. I would not. I don't, you know, there's a lot of places. People go to certain dangerous places for vacation. I would never do that unless I'm going to preach the gospel. But Highway six tackles, I'm telling you. The bullets can be flying, but it could be a, 
It could be in the middle of a war zone. I'm telling you, I'll be dodging bullets just to give me some tacos. <laughs> Glory be to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, yesterday somebody asked me, so do you think um, which place has the better Mexican food, Laredo or Houston? And I was just in Laredo not too long ago, and I ate some of the best food that I've ever had. But I'm telling you the truth here. They might have some of the best Mexican food, but I didn't eat any taco in Laredo that is better than Highway 6. How many of you have been to Highway 6? Do you guys agree with me or not? It's good? Because, you know, some, I want to hear from real Mexicans. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can say that it's good. And I remember we were in, um, where were we? In, oh, in um, Louisiana. And we just had gone to that puppy's um, steakhouse and we're talking about how good. But, you know, you're from Pittsburgh and you go to Louisiana and you go to barbecue and it's like, wow. We're talking about how great this barbecue is, and everybody from there is like, ew. <laughs> you know, so you have to find out if it's not just because of where you are coming from or it's really good. But let me tell you this. They could put Highway 6 in the middle of Iraq, and I'll go and eat it. <laughs> so on our drive back to the hotel from Highway 6, my wife and I decided to go on Instagram Live and take questions and answers questions and give answers. And somebody said, how do you know that you are hearing from God and not from the devil? That is a question that people ask all the time. People are wondering, how do I know if it is God speaking to me? How do you know? How do you discern if it is the voice of God? And I said, just crack your Bible open. I don't know what people are. You see, yesterday we saw many healings and many miracles and we're going to continue to see many more you know, for the time, the time that we are here. There is many people, those that have not yet been healed, you'll be healed. And those that, you know, even if you don't get healed by the end of Wednesday, you are still going to be healed because the, it's impossible for the word of God to fail in your life. So you realize that it's not, we are, there is nothing special that we are doing. There is nothing special. I'm telling you the truth. There is, I'm not doing anything special. There is nothing special about me. The only difference that I've chosen to believe God's word. That is the only special thing about me. So if you choose to believe God's word, you would see what we have, we have seen here all throughout this week. And somebody said, but I've been believing God's word. Continue to believe the word. The Bible said that so mightily grew the word in Acts chapter 19 verse 20, 21. So mightily grew the word. And it prevailed. When you allow the word of God to grow, it is important that for the words that I speak, it shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish the purpose by which I've sent it to accomplish. Jesus said, after he had um, told his disciples, after he has told his disciples about um, the parable of the sower, and the disciples came to him and said, what did you mean? Because, you know, parables, basically, it is a saying that is intended to hide the, what you are saying from the hearers. That's what basically what a parable is. The goal of a parable is that I want to tell you a story, but I want to hide the truth of the story from you. So that is why every time that, um, because Jesus 
spoke and the things he was speaking, it was not meant for everybody, but it was meant for those that were with him and his disciples. So that's why he spoke parables in the public. And he would give interpretations to the parables to his disciples in private. So he came to them and told them about the parable of the sower. And he said, they asked him, that, what do you mean? He says that a sower sows the word. Some fall on good soil, some fall on rocky soil, some fall among thorns, some fall by the wayside. And they asked Jesus, what do you mean? He says that the seed that the sower sows is the word of God. And the soil is your heart. So if the seed of the word falls on good soil, then it will, not it might, it would definitely give forth good fruits. So the word of God itself has the power to perform that which it's promised. That is the truth. That is the truth. The word of God. The word of God has the power to perform because, you know, God said that my word have I exalted even above myself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My word have I exalted even above my name. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the word of God. So when the word of God is proclaimed and declared, what you are doing is that you are proclaiming Jesus. You are proclaiming his life. You are proclaiming who he is. And the Bible says that let all men be liars and let God alone be true. God cannot deny himself. Amen. So, God, you must realize that God is your healer. You must realize that Jesus Christ is your healer. God is a healer and God has never changed. I talked about it yesterday. Jesus healed and Jesus never changed. The disciples of Jesus healed and a true disciple never changes. Because when you look in the Bible, the description of a a disciple has never changed. Regardless of what society says, we don't let the Bible, we don't let our society interpret the Bible for us. Amen. The early church healed the sick and the early church has not changed. And then the second point I gave was that if you want to receive miracle healing, then you must know God's promises. Paul said in Corinthians that the promises of God, they are yes and they are amen. Which means that what God, God meant what he said and he said what he meant. Amen. That if God gave a promise, then he would make it good. He would bring it to pass. So you can go home, go to the bank with the check promise that God has given you and cash it. If God said that I am the Lord that healeth thee, then you can definitely jump and shout and rejoice. Because indeed, God is your healer and he would heal you. It is the truth. You must look at the word of God as the truth. Truth is not a theory. Truth is not a wise saying. Truth is a person. Truth is Jesus. Jesus said, for I am the way. I am the truth. Hallelujah. The word of God is the truth. You must believe it. You must believe it. We are called to believe God's word. And when you believe God's word, you will have the manifestations 
of his word. Somebody say amen. amen. Number Point number three. God wants you well. Only Satan wants you to suffer. Let that sink in a little bit. Ponder on that a little bit. Think about that a little bit. God wants you well. Only Satan wants you sick. God wants you alive. Only Satan wants you dead. Just let that sink in. Because many a times we have blamed God for things that the devil is doing. We have blamed God. We have accused him. I was talking to a friend today, and he was telling me about how he encountered Jesus Christ. And he said that I grew up in a very good neighborhood, very nice neighborhood, a family-friendly neighborhood. Nobody got a divorce in that neighborhood. Everybody lived good, and all of a sudden, my father walked out. We lost our house, and we had to move in with with my grandparents. And as at a seven-year-old boy, I wondered, how come God skipped us? Because this is not common in our neighborhood. This is not common in our, in, among the people that we know. Nobody gets a divorce. There is no broken home in that neighborhood. And how come God skipped that? So, you know, I pulled away from God, though I grew up in a Christian family. I moved away from God, never went to church. But he says that the day that I encountered God, it was, he said, you will think I'm crazy, but God began to show me all throughout my life up to the age of seven how he has been with me throughout. That even in my worst situation, how he kept me and sustained me. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you the truth. There is things that the devil has done and caused you to blame God. For what he did to you. But if you would look back. You would realize. That if you have lost anything at all. In life. It is by the grace of God. You haven't lost it all. That is the fact. If you have lost anything at all. It is by the grace of God. You haven't lost it all. Because the Bible said that it is the thief. Who is the devil. Who came to steal. To kill. And to destroy. If you have lost it, anything at all, it is by the grace of God. It wasn't God that destroyed your marriage. It wasn't God that destroyed your health. It wasn't God that took away your loved one. It was the devil. But Jesus said that I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. The devil is a liar. He's a bastard. But Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, that we are not ignorant of the devices of the enemy. We are no longer going to buy into his lies. We are no longer buying into his lies. We are no longer buying into his lies. Hallelujah. It is the devil that wants you to suffer. It is the devil that wants you to be hurt. But God wants you healed. Jesus wants you healed. When you look through the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you look at the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ, you saw from throughout the Bible that the Bible says that Jesus went about preaching, teaching, 
healing and casting out devils. That was the life of Jesus. That was what he did. That, you know, what do we know about? That's who he is. Jesus went about, Acts chapter 10 verse 38, and I want that to sink in. Acts 10 verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God. So you see, Jesus went about. Jesus, everywhere he went, he was healing. He was casting out devils. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God wants you well. Satan wants you sick. God wants you healed. Satan wants you to suffer. Go with me to Mark chapter 1. The gospel according to St. Mark chapter 1. I'm going to read from the verse number 14. Mark chapter 1, verse number 14. The Bible said that now, and I'm not going to preach long tonight. <laughs> Man, you guys, this is a, a, a laugh of disbelief. Well, well, well. Let me try to finish by 115. Is that okay? 115? There's not a lot of all those that didn't say yes wants to punch all those that were saying yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Mark chapter 1, the verse number 14. Now, now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee. So you see, this is talking about Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. You know, they, they use the word preaching. But basically what it simply means that Jesus came to Galilee talking about the gospel, communicating the gospel. So it doesn't necessarily have to be preaching. Though preaching is good, preaching is what? Proclamation. We need to proclaim the gospel like I'm doing. But most of the time, you know, God wants you. Something, let me be honest with you. You can do a better job preaching the gospel, proclaiming the gospel to your co-workers and your friends better than any preacher could. Because preachers, we, we get into a mood. You know, we have our preaching voice. We have our preaching mannerism. And sometimes the regular people can really relate and connect. So God wants you, the regular person, the individuals, to go to your job places, your communities, your neighbors, and tell people about the gospel. What do you tell? You tell about how the gospel has touched your life and impacted your life. Amen. Go back. And he was, no, go, is it where I was? 14, yeah, 14, sorry. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, 15, and saying that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So you see, Jesus was going about telling people, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. 
What is the gospel? Jesus, the son of the living God, came from heaven. He died and on the, for our sins and on the third day, he rose again. He said that the kingdom of God is at hand. When John sent the disciples and says that go and ask Jesus if he is the Messiah or we should wait for another. They came to Jesus and said, hey, John wants to know. John is in prison. He wants to know, are you the Messiah or should we wait for another one? He says that go and tell them that the kingdom of God has come. What was the kingdom of God? For the blind sees, the deaf hears, and the dead is being raised back to life. So don't listen to anybody, any theologian or whoever they, they have, whatever names they have attached to their name, letters they have attached to their name, telling you that healing is not of today. Jesus said that the proof of the kingdom of God is that the blind is seeing, the deaf is hearing, the lame is walking, and the dead is being brought back to life. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That was what Jesus did. Repent and believe in the gospel. Turn from your sinful ways and believe in the gospel. Paul said in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it alone is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel. The gospel produces power. The gospel itself is the power of God saving men. When you look into the Bible, you study the word salvation, it doesn't only mean that being saved from sin, it means that being saved from sin and all the effects of sin. So if sickness came as a result of sin, then not only it's like sin is the octopus and curses, sickness, diseases, infirmity, all those are, the, are part of the tentacles of the octopus. When Jesus saves you, he pulls the octopus and removes all of its tentacles from your life. Put my scripture back on. Hallelujah. Jesus came preaching the gospel. He came communicating the gospel. Jesus came announcing the good news, saying that repent and believe in this good news. See, the gospel is not an old news. The gospel is alive. The Bible said in Hebrews chapter 4 that the word that God speaks, it is alive. So every time you talk about the gospel, the gospel proves itself. The gospel comes. Hallelujah. The gospel heals. So every time you talk about the gospel, there is a confirmation of the gospel there. Oh man, yesterday we were not even preaching about forgiveness. But we're preaching about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. One man said, I could not forgive myself. Do you know how bad that is? See, most of the time humans, we put we categorize things and we determine what is serious or what is not serious. But if you know what one goes through, not being able to forgive themselves for whatever thing that had happened, sometimes it could be worse than certain kinds of diseases that people suffer. But because of the gospel that has the power to break people out of prison doors. When the gospel was preached, the prison doors came open. I prophesy to you tonight, everything that keeps you bound breaks and you are being set free now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus 
went about saying that the time is fulfilled, that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. Repent. Somebody say repent. Repent. And believe in the gospel. Jesus came announcing the gospel, the good news. Go to the next verse. Verse 16. And was, and as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, Andrew, his brothers, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 17. Then Jesus said to them, follow me. You realize that these were regular fishermen. Regular workers. They were not educated. They were not of any special class. And Jesus said, follow me. Jesus is always telling people. Even tonight, Jesus is telling you to follow him. That is the truth. Jesus told them, follow me and you shall become fishes of men. That is the gospel because let me tell you this. The God wants you to live a practical Christian life. God wants every believer. He doesn't want you to be, um, you know, hey, I've been a Christian for 40 years. I'm a very holy man. Praise the Lord. God wants you to be a normal Christian. Christians are followers of Christ. When you follow somebody, what do you do? You do as they do. Hallelujah. God does not only want the pastors and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors to be communicators of the gospel. If this world is going to change, if we are going to see the transformation we want to see in this world, then everyone must follow Jesus Christ. You must make, you must make a goal that I'm going to get as many people as I could in this church as possible as I can. That is supposed to be the goal of every Christian. I do that. I, you know, we went to Dallas. I went for ice cream and I saw the guy serving the ice cream and I don't know how you could be depressed in an ice cream shop. It's supposed to be the happiest place on the earth. But the guy was so depressed and it was bothering my spirit. I was like, how can you work at an ice cream shop and be that depressed? I was like, no, no, I can't leave this guy that depressed. And, you know, I, I evangelize differently. You know, I, I never ask people because I realize that people don't even know what they want in life. So I'm, I'm not going to go to and say, hey, do you want to receive Jesus Christ? I say, hey, how are you doing? Let me pray for you. Oh, say hi. this after me. That's what I do. <laughs> it works, I'm telling you. In Africa, I did that to one young man. He called, he called me on his birthday, asked, you know, wanting, what did you get me for birthday? I said, I have a birthday gift for you. Say this after me. He didn't know where it was. <laughs> he didn't know the direction of it. I said, listen, say this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe in my heart. Jesus, you said, but don't you want them to um, ascend? No, or, or don't you want them to like a, want it? I don't care what you want. Most of the time, you don't even know what you want. Are you telling me that it would work? Let me tell you this. It works. Hallelujah. The Bible says that a violent take it by force. You're not going to hell on my watch. You know when the Bible says that go into the highways and the byways and compel. It didn't say that suggest. 
kindly invite. I went to the barber shop, and I had I've led I led my barber to the Lord, and you know he's doing so well, great guy. And I went to the barber shop, and there was this particular friend. I said, I'm going to get this guy into church. He said, Oh, he would never come to church. I said, Nobody says no to coffee. You must not. <laughs> you must not know who you're talking to. So I said, I asked, what is his name? I forgot, I think Brian or something like that. He told me his name. I said, hey, you come to church with me on Sunday. He said, oh, I don't know about this Sunday, but um, that Sunday. I said, no, you should come this Sunday. He said, uh, I'll let you know. I said, your friend is coming. Come with him. He said, uh, I don't know. I was like, hey, we got a deal. I'm going to see you Sunday, right? <laughs> he said, uh, okay, okay, okay. I said, we got a deal. He said, yes. I said, you're not a liar, right? <laughs> he said, oh, yes. I said, oh, I'll see you Sunday. The next Sunday, he was not in church. So I went back to the barber shop to get a haircut. And then this guy walks into the shop. And you could tell he was not expecting me to see me in the chair. He saw me and he didn't know, should I go? Should I come? Should I go? Because people don't want to be liars. So he came there. He was like, I'm so sorry. I had so many things going on on Sunday. I'm so sorry. I promise you I'll be there next Sunday. I said, hey, you gave me your word. You broke it. I don't trust you anymore. <laughs> the next Sunday he was in church. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's not, you have to understand, it's not a negotiating. If somebody is standing in the, in the middle of the road and an 18-wheeler coming, full speed, you don't go to them and say, hey, um, brother, there is there's a huge truck coming. I don't know if you want to get out of the way, or but I would strongly suggest that you get out of the way. You don't do that. What do you do? Hey, hey, hey! Man, an 18-wheeler will just kill them. But when they are not, if they have not received Jesus, they will die and spend eternity in hell. You understand what I'm saying? God, Billy Graham said that if this world would be changed, then the gospel must be preached, not by professional preachers, but by every disciple of Jesus Christ. The gospel. I'm talking about practical Christianity. Not religious living. Religion hasn't done anything for anybody. Religion has destroyed people. Religion destroys lives. Practical Christianity. Your neighbor, your next door neighbor, your co-worker. Man, let me tell you this. The greatest thing you can do is when somebody annoys you, win them to Jesus. They will stop being annoying. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Practical Christianity. Jesus said to them, follow me. Jesus is always telling people to follow him. Jesus is calling you. You were not saved to sit in the church, come and dance and sweat and feel good and go home and watch the world being destroyed. You were saved to be a follower of Christ, to live a practical Christian life. Somebody say amen. amen. You were saved to live a practical Christian life. You are being called. We are all being called. I've been called to follow him. You have been called to follow him. When you follow him, you do 
as he did or as he has commanded us. He says that if you believe in me and my word abides in you, then you are a disciple. Jesus said, follow me. You must let, you know, you must bring Christ to your neighbors. There is people that Pastor Sandy would never touch because they, they wouldn't like the way she talks. They wouldn't like the way she sounds because she's a preacher. She gets into the preaching mode. There's people that would never listen to me because I'm a preacher. I get the mic, I walk around. I have a, I sound in a certain way. I can connect with them. That is just a fact. But you don't know, you haven't learned the preaching language. You haven't learned the preaching language. You talk raw. You speak raw. You can connect. You can relate to them. And it's your responsibility to bring the gospel to them. Hallelujah. You know, we had a barber. He's, he's, he's passed on now, but he cursed like a storm. And, I'm, you know, first of all, it's not in my place to tell somebody to stop cursing. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about relationship with the Holy Ghost. I used to smoke weed, and when I encountered Jesus, nobody told me to smoke weed. Matter of fact, if somebody had told me to stop smoking weed, I would have smoked the most amount of weed that I could have possibly smoked. <laughs> because I don't like being told what to do. You could, you could, you could ask my wife. If, you know, when I'm driving with my wife, and my wife was like, can you drive first? I need to get there by this time. That's when I drive slow. <laughs> Just don't say anything. And I will get you there quick. The moment you start giving me instructions, I feel like I need to do the opposite. That's, that's the truth. I remember when I... <laughs> this is a true story. I lived in... A, when I lived in upstate New York, we are going to college. There was this African pastor that was there. He was a Baptist guy. He invited us to church. And at that time, I was so confused in life. I thought I was a gangster. Like, like some of you got delivered from it. I'm saying that I thought I was against them. And I'm saying that it is it's a confusion because most of the time people that join gangs, they do that because they, wanna, they want um, affirmations. They want like to belong, a sense of belonging. They want like a family. They want like a brotherhood. They are, it is, let me tell you this. People that do gang stuff, it's all, when you get to the root, it's all low self-esteem. Is this the truth? I was on the streets. I know what I'm talking about. Though I don't look like it. But that is what it is. You want somebody to accept you. It's all acceptance. So you will do anything for you to be accepted. So I thought, you know, that's what I don't know. I thought I was blood. Blood in. Or... We walked, we walked in New York, what up five, you know, what is hiding behind the moon? Yeah. Always with my red bandana hanging on the right, red bandana hanging on the right side. And I used to hang out with all these guys, so I know it was all the same issue, insecurity, low self-esteem. They just want somebody. They want acceptance. So they are willing to do. They feel like nobody accepts them. So they are willing to do anything, even if he has to do crime, to be accepted by somebody. They would do it. So, 
we got invited to this church, and I would always wear a durag. And then I will put my red bandana around the durag and wear my baseball cap tilted to the side. I was like the game and TIP wrapped into one. <laughs> and we got to the church, and we were in two earrings. We got to the church, and the pastor said, the, the usher said, before you could come in, you got to take off your hat and your durag. I said, heck no. Gen says, don't take off the, uh, you know. So I stood outside because I don't like to be told what to do. So I, I waited outside. The only th if I drove there, I would have left. But I was catching a ride because I didn't have a car. <laughs> so all my gangster friends took off their hats and their durags. And they went and sat down. And the real gangster stood outside. I said, like, you know what? I'll be your guardian angel today. I'll protect you guys. And I, I, I waited outside till the end of the service and we, we went. But that is religion. They, if it was a church about the souls of the people, they would have probably saved me that day. But because of their traditions and their religion, they pushed, they kept me away. You understand what I'm saying? So, when you have not learned the religious, that's why I love this church. That's why we have such a powerful move because this can be a religious church. Because most of you here, you would not follow any rules if you... <laughs> you say what? You say what? <laughs> you know, the reason why you are here because you know that it is real. Yeah. Hallelujah. But do you know that Jesus, when he called you, he didn't call you because, you know, like I was talking to my friend today. He said, I never liked what Christians were because every time I saw Christians, I felt, you know, this is not me. I didn't know that I could be a Christian and just be who God created me to be myself. Let me tell you this. If you're a tough guy, be a tough guy. Don't be a punk. You understand what I'm saying? All you got to do is develop a relationship with Christ and be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because there are people that you can reach that no one else can reach. Hallelujah. Jesus did not call you to be sissified. You understand what I'm saying? If you're a tough guy, I remember there is, I'm not going to give more details because people would probably know what I'm talking about. There is this guy, he's like a giant, probably like seven foot, huge guy. And very nice guy. And I'm talking about this guy over seven foot towering over you saying, excuse me, how are you doing? <laughs> I say, hey, 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 chill. You are too big to be nice. You know, <laughs> it's one thing. It's one thing if a, if a five foot guy is trying to be nice. But like over seven foot and probably like almost 400 pounds. You're supposed to come and say, yo, what's up? You got a problem with me? I'll get you water. It looks weird. It looks creepy. Don't do that because you were Christian. God gave you the height. <laughs> Hallelujah. You ought to be yourself. 
Everyone is unique. Everyone is unique. Well, you know, don't let. So Jesus called. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Next verse. So they immediately left everything. That's God is always called. Immediately left everything to follow him. Next verse. When he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat, mendership. So you see now Jesus is going about. He's assembling his 12 disciples. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. So Jesus going about calling people. He's calling you today. He's asking you, would you, would you be a communicator of the gospel? Would you be the one that takes the gospel to the places that your pastor can go? Where the apostle, the evangelist, the pastor can go? Would you be the one that would take the practical Christian lifestyle? The practical Christian lifestyle. Not go there and say that, hey, you were smoking cigarettes, so don't talk to me because I'm holy. I got anointing on you, you know, flinged on me, I'm holy. No. You will look in his face and say, it's, it's fine. You can smoke your cigarette, but come to church with me. Because when you bring them to Christ, Jesus will do the work in them. Glory be to God. Jesus will do the work in them. Because, you know, all people need is to have an encounter with the Holy Ghost. That's all. You can tell people, let me tell you, if you tell somebody to stop smoking cigarettes, you know what is going to happen? They're going to not smoke when you are around. And they're going to smoke when you are not there. And then they're going to start avoiding you. So when you are there, they don't want to be around you because they know that they can't smoke. I remember when I first got saved, there are some friends that I, you know, I, I, people that I was friends with, and they lived in the apartment, the same apartment on the same floor as my, my with my cousin. My cousin lived down the, um, the down the whatever the apartments, <laughs> the hallway. Lived down the hallway, so I would walk past the apartments to get to my cousin's place. And every time, you know, almost every time when I hear noise, you know, because I used to hang out there, I would knock on the door, and I would stop by and say hi. One time I knocked at the door and I saw somebody looked at the peephole and it took about a minute before they came back and opened. And when I went in, I saw that, you know, they were trying to like hide the alcohol and stuff. I didn't say a word to them. It doesn't matter. They're going to drink when you are there. They're not going to drink when you... They're going to do whatever they want to do. Until Jesus changes people's heart, there is nothing you can do. All you can do is be a career of the gospel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if people are finding a hard time to change, bring them to where the anointing of God is. And the anointing of God will do a work in their life. So Jesus was going about calling people to follow him like he's doing tonight. He's been doing that. Many people are here because Jesus called you here. He's calling people to follow him. And the Bible said that immediately he called them and they left. Go back to the next verse. 21. Yes, 21. 21, the Bible says that and they went into Capernaum. Matter of fact, if you carefully study the Bible, you can con- come to the conclusion that Capernaum was where Jesus began his ministry. 
Because when you look at Matthew, Matthew said the same thing. Mark said the same thing. Luke hinted a little bit differently, but, you know, it all comes down to that conclusion. So the Bible says that then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teachings, for they taught them as one, having authority, not as the scribes. So you see, Jesus entered into the synagogue, the religious establishment. The religious establishment, and he taught, and they were surprised. He said, ah, this one is not teaching like our scribes and our rabbis. This one is actually, he's not, this one is not only explaining the theories of the Bible. He's actually speaking like the Bible has power. You know, when you come into this church, one thing that you can testify is that the Bible has power. Because there is people that have been arrested by the power of the Holy Ghost in this church. That would by no means receive Jesus, give their life to the Lord anywhere else. Hallelujah. So they said that this one speaks differently. This one is speaking. He's making the word of God come alive. He's speaking with authority. Not us, our scribes. Next verse. Now, there was a man in their synagogue. Look, listen to this. So, you see, that is why I hate religion so much. That's why I'm anti-religion. Because the Bible says that there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. He was in a church. A demon possessed in a church. Because there are people that don't believe that Christians are to cast out devils. They don't even like churches that devils come out of people. You know, there are people when they come to a church like this. They will say that you guys are too rowdy. I, don't, I, want, I want a proper church. Do you know what a proper church is to them? A church that the devil can feel comfortable in. But I thank God that this is not one of the church. This is a devil casting church. A healing the sick church. A Holy Ghost baptizing church. Hallelujah. Because wherever Jesus went, demons cried out. Same thing today. Wherever Jesus is, devils cry out. When we go into the crusade grounds, devils cry out. Hallelujah. Because Jesus always went. When he came, he, the Bible says that for he is the light of the world. The light that shineth in darkness and darkness comprehended in all. And the devil, demons or devil are children of are angels of darkness. So when the light of God comes, it exposes every demonic force, every work of the devil. I came to tell you here in Houston, Texas that it doesn't matter what the devil has done against you. The light of the almighty God is shining upon your family tonight. It's shining in your house tonight. It's shining over your business tonight. In the name of Jesus, Every work of the devil shall be exposed. And every plan of the devil shall be destroyed concerning your life. If you believe it, shout amen and give God praise. The Bible says that and there was a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out. There was a man with an unclean spirit and he cried saying, let us alone. Isn't that what the devil said? That's what the devil wants. Let us alone. That is why the devil doesn't want the Holy Ghost in a church so that he can hide there. Leave us alone. Don't bring your Holy Ghost stuff here. Leave us alone. Don't come and bring your healing the sick here. Leave us alone. Don't bring your fire here. Let us be comfortable in our own mess. That's it's the same. That's what religion teaches. 
No, don't bring us here. I remember there was a man telling me, because his friends were a, a president of a Bible school, um, a Christian college. And he was telling me the conversation he had with the president of the Christian college because he doesn't even believe that you need to be saved. You know, I'm talking about mess, 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 everything. He doesn't believe in, he doesn't believe in. I said, there's nothing to argue. I'm not going to, there's nothing to have a theological debate about. There is nothing to debate about. He wouldn't want me where he is because when, if he should give me an opportunity to speak at his school, I'm going to disprove all his theories. So he would never bring somebody like me around him. Because you know what he would say? Leave us alone. Let us deal with our devils. We have learned to cope with our devils. Let us cope with our demons. That's what the devils cried out. The Bible said that there is nothing new under the sun. What have we to do with you, O oh Jesus of Nazareth? You see, he wasn't talking about Jesus, the son of the living God. Jesus, the, 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 the God in human flesh. Jesus, the one that came from heaven. He says that Jesus of Nazareth. What the Bible is trying to let you understand. That's why the Bible said in Acts chapter 10 verse 38 that how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. God is trying to let you understand that the Jesus that was anointed was not the heavenly Jesus but the Jesus who was the physical because Jesus he was 100% God and 100% man and the Jesus that was anointed was the Jesus that was 100% man. So God is telling you that you also can be anointed and everywhere you go devils can be cut. Devils begin to cry out. Everywhere you go you would have the anointing to cast out devils and to heal the sick. Jesus said that the works that I do for you also shall do greater works than these. For as my father sent I so I sent I you. You have an anointing to cast out devils. You have an anointing to heal the sick for you shall lay your hands upon the sick and the sick shall recover. If you receive it, shall I receive it? Somebody shout hallelujah. So he said that Jesus of Nazareth, he's referring to the humanity, the Jesus that is from Nazareth. He's referring to you from Houston, from Mexico, from Africa, from America. God is telling you that you also can carry an anointing that destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I know who you are. Oh, Jesus of Nazareth. The Bible says that the seven sons of Sceva went to cast out the devil. And it says that Paul I know. Let me tell you this. The devil knows who you are. It doesn't matter how small you think you might be. The devil knows who you are. Because the Bible said that we, Jesus has presented us in himself. The devil knows who you are. And I'm telling you, maybe no one ever told you before. But the devil is afraid of you. The devil knows who you are. The devil is afraid of you. If you can stand and say that I know who I am in Christ. Oh, hallelujah. I have power. For he has given me power and authority to trample over scorpions and serpents and nothing shall by enemies hurt me. I know who I am. I am a devil cast out. As I cast out devils, I shall lay my hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. Hallelujah. The devil knows who you are. That is just a fact. That is not something that I'm telling you to make you happy. The reason why Satan, the devil said, Paul I know, Jesus I know, who are you? To the seven sons of Sceva, 
It wasn't because they were not anointed enough. It wasn't because they were not powerful enough. It wasn't because they were not prayerful enough. It's because they have not received Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. Paul said that the life that I live is for, for the life that I live, for me to live is in Christ. So my life, Colossians chapter 1 verse 20 says that, for we have been presented in Christ. Let me tell you this. Your life is hidden in Jesus and every devil knows when you come, you are not coming in your own name. You are coming in the name of Jesus Christ. For Jesus said that I give you power. I give you authority. In my name, you shall cast out devils. The devil knows that you have the power to cast him out. Hallelujah. The devil knows. Hallelujah. You, you know, you don't even have to wait for somebody to lay hands on you when you are sick. Because it says that you shall lay your hands on the sick. He didn't say that you shall lay your hands on the sick if it's somebody else. He says that you shall lay your hands on the sick. Man, in our crusade, you know, like we did here yesterday, I didn't have to lay my, I didn't lay my hands on anybody. I said, you lay your hands on yourself. You do it. God, Jesus called you to follow him. Do as he did and you see the results that he saw. Glory be to God. Poor devil. Let me tell you, tell you something. The devil, one of the devil's biggest nightmare is a person who knows what they are doing. A person who knows what they are saying. And when you begin to speak, the devil pricks up his ears. He gets into attention. And he begins to tremble. He begins to shake. And let me tell you the truth. He begins to pee a little bit. So I tell you tonight. I'm telling you tonight. It's the truth. It's the truth. If you think I'm lying, go check his panties. And the moment you do that, you know what you're going to say? Poor devil. Poor devil. The devil is afraid. The devil doesn't want you to know the truth. Because the Bible said that you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. The devil doesn't want you to know the truth. The devil doesn't want you to hear what I'm telling you. Oh, but he can't stop me. Hallelujah. He can't stop me. He doesn't have the power. He doesn't have the audacity. He doesn't have the ability to stop me. It's the truth. I'm not just saying things to get you excited. I'm telling you the truth. Poor devil. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. He never had it and he will never have it. He doesn't want you to come into the truth. The devil hates preaching like this because the devil wants you to think that he's so powerful and you need to go on 40 day fast. No, you need to fast. The Bible talks about it. But you know, fasting and prayer should do more of synchronizing you with God than you binding and losing the devil. It should get you closer to God. Hallelujah. The devil doesn't like this. I know. He's crying right now. I can see it. Somebody please give him a tissue box. Glory be to God. The devil always pays attention when someone comes into town. Because I'm telling you, when the devil, when I come into town, when he found out I was coming to Houston, 
You know what he did? He went on vacation. The devil is on vacation right now. It's the truth. It's the truth. So, the saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. So you realize that if, it seems to me that the first miracle Jesus did was to cast out a devil. It seems to me that the first miracle that Jesus did was to cast out a devil. I don't want you to be comfortable in a church that is afraid to cast out devils. You should never. If your church doesn't cast, if nobody ever said, I was addicted and I got, I got set free. If nobody ever testified of being healed. If, no, if nobody ever testified of being freed in your church. Then you need to look for, you know, you know what, a, 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 a devil casting church. Because every believer and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ have been commissioned as a devil caster outers. That is the truth. Jesus said, in my name you shall cast out devils. There is nothing special about casting out devils because there is nothing special about the devil. Casting out devils is just the responsibility of the believer. A born again Christian today, if you get born again today, in the next second, you have the power to cast out devils. Hallelujah. The devil wants to create a comfortable church. The devil never troubles a, a church that he's comfortable in. If it is a church that he's comfortable in, like in the synagogue, he doesn't mind you being there. Because he knows that he can hide and in being disguised. Hallelujah. But when Jesus comes there, you would begin to hear the devil yelling. That's why you hear a lot of, you know, yelling. <laughs> Not here, I'm talking about in other places. When somebody that carries any kind of anointing comes, the devils flare up. And they begin to say all kinds of things. I'm not, I'm not saying this disrespectfully, but there is a lot of people that stand on the pulpit in disguise in the name of being preachers and ministers that are full of the devil. The devil would always, the devil would always do what you tell him to do. It's the truth. As the believer, the devil is obligated to do what you tell him to do. So if you command him to come out, he would come out. Don't let the devil tell you that he's powerful. You don't have to spend five hours on casting out the devil. The devil will do what you tell him to do. Even if he acts like he's not coming out, I guarantee you. Don't say it again. He will come out. I remember there was a, a minister from Africa, and they, they brought a boy to the church, and his pastors were praying for the boy. He was mentally insane. And they had been doing deliverance for two hours. Come out, I don't come out. The devil was punching some of the pastors, doing all kinds of things. And he walked into the room and they were casting out devils. And he asked what is going on. They said, we've been trying to cast out the devil from this boy. He said, for how long? He said, two hours. He looked at the boy. He said, you false spirit. 
of insanity come out from him. And the boy looked exactly the same. And he walked out. He was walking out. And they said, wait, that's all? <laughs> he said, you know, that, the boy is, you need to make sure that the thing is gone. He said, I'm not going to wait for the devil to pack his bags and leave. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I've issued a command to the devil, and the devil must obey. He left the boy there. The boy fell down. A few minutes, he woke up completely sane. Completely sane. I told you on Sunday that only people with, who do not have authority wants to superimpose the authority. A man of authority doesn't have to tell you that, hey, look at me. I have this much of authority. When they walk in a room, you know that authority has walked into the room. It's just a fact. I remember one guy said to me, he said, man, I'm not saying this to brag or to, you know, say, well, I don't care what you think anyways, but <laughs> I'll say what I want to say, amen. One guy said to me, he said, because he was, there is this um, bootleg um, taco joint we have close to our church, and I'll stop there from time to time. telling you, I risked my life for tacos. <laughs> so, this guy met me. We, he was driving by and we were standing there. And he saw me. He was like, man, I was driving by the taco joint and you and some guys were standing there and I said to my wife, look at the way Kofi is there like he owns the place. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? He says that it's like you were there and I could feel your presence, like, take over the place. I said, yes, I don't own the place in the literal sense, but when I'm there, I own the place. That is the truth, because the Bible says that everywhere the source of your feet stands, you are on land that I, the Lord, have given you. At some point, you need to start believing the Bible. When I'm in a place... I'm not expecting any bad thing to go down there because I've already, I have set myself as the principality over that place. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not, I'm telling you the truth. Right, one day I was sitting in the airplane and, you know, I, I'm a thinker, so a lot of thoughts go through my mind. And I got up and I looked around and said, oh man, wow. All these people are going to get to their destination safe because of me. I'm on the plane. It's impossible for us to crash. Even if the devil had plans to bring that plane down, his plans is foiled in the name of Jesus. Oh, glory be to God. But it's not just me. That is the place of the child of God. That is the mindset you ought to have. I remember I used to work at Walmart. I was a brand new Christian. I was learning about dominion and, you know, authority of the believer. And every day I went to work, I said, man, this place is blessed because of me. This place is blessed because of me. They brought the Ark of the Covenant to the house of Obedidom. And the Bible says that the blessings of God came upon his house. I am the tabernacle of God. I house the spirit of God. Oh, listen to me. I am obeyed. I am the Ark of the Covenant in flesh. You are the Ark of the Covenant in flesh. Everywhere you go, the blessings of God is there because of you. 
You must know the truth. I'm not telling you anything different. I'm telling you what is in the Bible. I'm telling you what is in the Bible, what the Bible says. You must stop looking at the Bible as a book to study about um, history and about, no, it is God's words to you. And stop reading the Bible like you are looking for a secret meaning. There is no secret meaning. What you read is what it said. The Bible says that you are blessed when you go out. That's all the meaning is to it. Stop, treat, stop acting like you are dumb. You are an intelligent being made in the image of God. You know, God said that I am blessed. What does it really mean? It means you are blessed. That's all it means. Yeah, but, you know, the Bible was written in a Aramaic and it was translated into the Latin Vulgate. And then it was translated into um, English and doing. Trans- Let me tell you this God understands English. God understands English. God is speaking to you through His Word. What He said is what He wants to tell you. He wants to tell all His children. Hallelujah. So Jesus rebuked the Spirit. That was one of Jesus' first miracle. He cast out a devil. So at the foundation, the foundation of the church, every church is supposed to be a devil cast out. We are supposed to cast out devils. Jesus said, in my name, you shall cast out devils. That's what we are called to do. We cast out devils. In a crusade, when we, when we, you know, sometimes, before we even get them, and I've shared a little bit, you see demons start squeaking and jerking. People with demonic torments and demonic troubles. But I said, it's okay. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Because I am a child of the living God. You can say the same thing when you are faith. When your friend calls you, say, my daughter is being tormented. Say, don't worry, because I'm here. I have an anointing. Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say that, follow me so that you come to church and you dance and you go home and when the devil raises his head, you run away. No, the devil is supposed to run because of you. Is a fact. Next verse, please. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. When the unclean spirit had convulsed, so they would, the devil would try to make a show, but he will obey. He doesn't have a choice. That's the truth. He doesn't have a choice. Oh man, I remember a friend of mine, he said he went to a place to minister. And there was a devil being casted out. You know, so many people were trying to cast, come out, I won't come. Come out, I won't come. Come out, I won't come. And then all of a sudden, it got to his turn. He said he looked at the devil, and he just put his foot down, boom, just to, as an expression, the devil is under my foot. I am putting my foot down to let you know who has authority and who doesn't. He said the moment he stomped his foot, the devil came out. The devil's worst nightmare is somebody who knows what they are doing. The reason why it is very difficult for people to cast out devils is because they don't know what the word of God says. They have no idea of the truth of God's word. Oh man, I, why should I spend hours casting out devils? You know, matter of fact, if you want to come, come. If you don't want to come, stay there. That's your problem. If you stay there, you would have to. You know, the Bible says that the demons who disobey the direct order of God would be 
reserved for a more stricter judgment. The devil knows that. So then the devil knows that it is impossible for him to disobey my commandments. No. Because he knows that I, you know, just imagine, you know, like, when you watch those um, videos on YouTube and police brutalities, when a police wants to exert his override people's right and they meet somebody who actually knows the Constitution, and they begin to quote the Constitution, you see the cops shamefully back off. That's what it is. And I'm not speaking against cops. I like cops. I'm a pro-cops. But I'm telling you, there is people, it's just like that. When somebody wants to override, and then you know who you are, they will shamefully back off. The devil always looks for the weakest link. And you are weak not because you don't pray. You are weak because you don't know the truth. The Bible says that for lack of knowledge, my people perish. Because you are uninformed about the truth of God's word. God wants you to be well. Know that. God wants me to be well. God wants me healed. God wants me delivered. God wants you to live and not die. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to live to not, God wants you to not live in torment. God wants you to be free. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be at peace. God wants you to be healed. God wants, God does not want you to be hurt. Only the devil wants you to be heard. Let's go to the next verse. Then they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even unclean spirits and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread out all the region, all the region around Galilee. Now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon. And Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother laid sick with fever and they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and immediately the fever left her and she served them. So you see Jesus came to the house of Peter. Peter's mother-in-law was sick with fever. And Jesus treated the fever very harshly. Cast the fever out of out of that poor woman. And immediately she was healed and she served them. Next verse, 32. So he came and took her back. He, so at evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. So you see, this is the life and the ministry of Jesus. Jesus didn't go anywhere and they didn't bring the sick and the demon-possessed to him. And he says that the work that I, you see me do, greater works than this would you do. So, which, so what then is practical Christianity? Practical Christianity is casting out devils and healing the sick. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases. Say, Jesus healed many who were sick. With various diseases. So you see, Jesus heals various kinds of diseases. Hallelujah. And cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. So the, the demons know who you are. Now in the morning, having risen 
long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a soli solitary place, and there he prayed. So you see, there were so many people coming to him. There were so many sick people coming to him. And Jesus couldn't even remain there, so he had to like move away to look for a place to pray. There, if you begin to practice practical Christianity, there will be so many people that will come to you. I remember when we were in a, in a town called Agogo, my mother's village, and we did a crusade. There were so many miracles taking place. We would wake up in the morning, and there will be people waiting outside, bringing their sick. That is the ministry of Jesus Christ. Everywhere he went, he became a magnet of the sick. Because he was anointed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. We've experienced that. We've, we, we experience that. We see that. Where people bring in their sick. You wake up in the morning and there's somebody waiting for you at the door. Somebody you've never met. And then he said, my mom couldn't come to the crusade last night because she's very sick. Can you pray for my mom? We go to places and people come and they bring cloth. He said, hey, can you pray over the cloth? I have a relative dying in the hospital. Can you bless the cloth so that I go lay it on them? That was the life of Jesus. And I always say this, you must think like this. If Jesus was here tonight, what would he do? If Jesus is the one with the mic, what would happen in this service? That is, the, that is the way you got to think. Don't let anybody tell you that healing is not of today. Because if Jesus was here, and the Bible says that he is not dead, but he is alive, and he lives forevermore. Hallelujah. If Jesus was here, what would happen? Would you bring the cripple, and you say that, hey, I healed then, but after 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years later, I've lost my ability to heal. I'm so sorry. You brought your blind to me. You should have brought them to me 2,000 years ago. Now I've lost my ability to open the blind eyes. I'm so sorry. I, did the, I opened the deaf ears 2,000 years ago. I've lost my ability to, to do that. What would Jesus do? You bring the mentally insane person to him. Would he say, that I'm so sorry? The first Jesus could have made him sane. But this, this Jesus don't have any ability to do it. Oh, you took them to the apostles and said, listen, the last power that I had, I gave it to the apostles. And after they died, I had no more power to give. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, he is the same yesterday. He is the same today. And he is the same forever. Hallelujah. So you ask yourself, if he was here. What will he do? And I tell you this. The Bible said that where two or more are gathered in his name, there also he is. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So Jesus is living on the inside of us. He has anointed us. He has given us the Holy Spirit. That if that same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwelleth in you, it will. And it will quicken your mortal bodies. That same spirit that worked, performed miracles in the life of Jesus is performing miracles in our lives tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the Bible said that in Simon and those who were with him, you know, Peter was a very interesting fellow. I like Peter, regardless of what anybody says. People said, oh, Peter was quick-tempered. 
Peter was not smart. Peter was not this. But let me tell you this. Nobody walked on water. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory be to God. Oh, Peter was this. Peter couldn't keep his mouth shut. Tell me. No, but you didn't walk on water. It wasn't you that God revealed who Jesus to. Say that. Simon, Simon Peter, who do you say that I am? He said, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, that flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Doesn't matter what you think of Peter. Peter, the Bible said that Simon and those who were with him searched for him because they couldn't find him. Jesus had to leave because there were too many people coming to him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. Tonight we are here because we are looking for Jesus. We go to him because he is who he said he is. Everyone is looking for you. Oh, glory be to God. When you are sick, you look for Jesus. When you are in trouble, you look for Jesus. When you are bound in sin, you look for Jesus. And Jesus would heal you. He will set you free. He will deliver you from the bonds, from the chains of sin. And he would make you new. But Jesus said to, said to them, let us go into the next town that I may preach there also. Because for this purpose I have come forth. He preached, he taught, he preached, he taught, and he healed the sick. And Jesus says that this is the reason why I came. So let me go somewhere else. After I have preached and healed the sick here, let me go somewhere else because they also need this message. They need to repent. They need to be healed and they need to be delivered. For this purpose, I've come forth. So who said that Jesus has changed his MO? Who said that healing ended with the early church? Jesus said, this is the reason why I came. I came to preach. I came to teach. I came to cast out devils. I came to heal the sick. This is why I've come forth. Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying to you, I came because of you. I came to heal you. You don't have to leave this place with the same way you came. You can make the decision tonight. That though I might have walked in here a sinner, but I'm living here saved and sanctified. Though I might have walked in here sick, I'm living here healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. For this reason, I have come forth. I have come for the Bible says that and he was preaching in their synagogue throughout all Galilee and casting out devils. Casting out devils. You know, you have to understand that it is the devil that makes people sick. You know, people say God made Job sick, but it wasn't God that made Job sick. It was the devil that made The Bible actually says it. It was the devil that made Job sick, and it was God that healed Job. And matter of fact, Job wasn't sick forever. Job was sick for a period, and when God was done with him, he had double of everything that he had lost. It is the devil that makes people sick. It's the devil that hates you. God loves you. It's the devil that wants you hurt. God wants you healed. 3 John verse 2. Jesus said that I wish, the Bible said, I wish above all things. 
I wish above all things. I wish above all things that ye may prosper and be in health. It is the, go with me to um, verse 39, uh, Mark chapter 1. Let's read from verse 40. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. Mark 1, 40. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing. So you see, the sick came to Jesus, asking Jesus, if you are willing. And Jesus said, he said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, no, you know, I gave you this leprosy to teach you a lesson. I gave you this leprosy so that people can see the glory of God revealed in you. I can, you know, I healed Peter's mother-in-law's fever, but that's all I can do. That's all I can do. Matter of fact, when I healed Peter's mother's lost fever, it wasn't actually her physical fever that I healed. I healed her emotionally and spiritually. But if you go to Peter's house, the mother-in-law is dying of fever. But though she's dying of fever, at the end it would be all worth it. That's not what Jesus said. He says, the master, if you are willing, make me clean. If you are willing, make me clean. And Jesus gave an answer to him. And that is an answer that he gives to all. Then Jesus moved with compassion. Jesus moved. One man of God told me, he says that compassion, basically what compassion means, compounded passion. Compassion, in other words, means love. Love. So, you know, you love somebody so much that you are disgusted by what they are going through, and you want to do something about it. Oh, man. How many of you have, have a child in this place? When your child was just a baby, or even when your child had fever, because of the love you have for your child, your child was laying down with fever, and you wish you could snatch the fever out of their body and just put it in your body because you don't want to see your child go through that. That is what compassion is. That is what compassion is. Oh, I want to take away that pain because I can't look at you in that pain anymore. Let me carry that burden for you. That's what Jesus did. That's what the Bible said in, in Matthew chapter 8 verse 17. That he himself bore our sickness. He took our sickness upon himself. Because Jesus loves you so much that he can't look at you sick. So, the leopard man came to him. And Jesus was moved with compassion. He stretched out his hands and touched him. And said, listen to me. Though I really don't want to do this. But let me help you out a little bit. So let me just heal you. Take away the pain by you. Go with your mess. No. The Bible said, Jesus moved with compassion. The same way, no matter whatever you are dealing with, Jesus is moved with compassion. That is why I strongly believe, that is why I believe that I don't even have to lay my hands on anybody. Because let me tell you this, I am not going to work out God to do that which he wants to do for you. Because God wants to take away that sickness. God wants you healed. It is him who wants you healed. It's not about 
how much I pray, how well I pray for you, it is God that wants you healed. Jesus was moved with compassion and said to him, I am willing. I am willing. The Bible said in 3 John chapter verse 2, that I wish above all things that ye may prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. God is always willing for you to be in good health. God is always willing for you to be healed. God is always willing for you to be strong. God is always willing for you to prosper. It is the devil that wants to see you sick and in hurt. God is willing. God is willing. If you came here with hardness of hearing, God is willing for you to have your hearing restored. If you came here with pains in your body, God is willing for you to live here with no pains. If you came here with any kinds of weakness, God is willing for you to live here full of strength. If you came here with a lump in your breast, God is willing for the lump to be dissolved out of your body. If you came here with any trouble, God is willing for you to be free. Because God wants you to live a long life. God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to be strong. God wants you to be free. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to enjoy life. God does not want you to endure life. God wants you to enjoy life. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. God wants you to be happy. So Jesus stretched forth his hands. Jesus stretched forth his hands. And as he was moved with compassion, God is moved with compassion, compounded passion, strong love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is always willing. We don't have to beg God to do that which he's already willing to do. The Bible said in Matthew chapter 14, and when Jesus went out, Matthew chapter 14 verse 14, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Jesus went out, Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them. Jesus is moved with compassion for you tonight. He's moved with compassion for you tonight. He was moved with compassion and he healed their sick. Matthew chapter 20 verse 29. Matthew chapter 20 verse 29. The Bible says that now as they went to Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road. And they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Then the multitude warned them, that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus. And that's a scripture I want you to remember. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost who went about doing good, healing all 
that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is the Jesus. That is the Jesus' ministry. Jesus' ministry was to heal the sick. Jesus' ministry was to cast out devils. Jesus' ministry. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 13. And I close with this. Luke chapter 13, the verse number 11. Luke chapter 13, the verse number 11 to, to 16. The Bible said, Luke 13, the verse number 11 to 16. The Bible says, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. The Bible says that this woman had the spirit of infirmity. The Bible called it a spirit. For infirmity for 18 years, she was bent over. So you can imagine that she was bent over possibly arthritis. Couldn't stand still. You know, her bones was bent over. Muscles, you know, as whatever, become hard. And the Bible says that there was a devil on her back. You know, there is no doctor that will tell you that, hey, come and let's, there is a spirit on your back. That's why you are bent over. Come and let's do a surgery and cut the spirit out of your back. Because doctors don't have the ability to say that. It's the same way preachers are not supposed to be using medical terms to describe, you know, the healing power of God. Because I'm not a medical doctor. I don't know what doctors see. I don't know what doctors say. I'm not going to argue with doctors. What I know is what the word of God says. So yes, the doctors might have diagnosed you and said all what they wanted to say. But I think that I know, I know what the Bible said. That it doesn't matter Jesus healed all manner of sickness, all manner of diseases. And with one word, he cast the devils out of them. So this woman was going around bent over and the Bible said that it was a spirit called the spirit of infirmity. For 18 years she has been bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Moving too fast for me. And could no, in no way go back to 11. And could in no way raise herself up. So there was a spirit, there was a devil that has attached herself to her body. Let me tell you, the sickness is from the devil. I'm not saying that you have a devil, but the sickness is from the devil. Because when you give your life to the Lord, your spirit is born again. So your spirit is living in your body. Who is your house? The Bible says that this is, our body is like the tabernacle that houses our spirit. And you are looking through the house out of these windows. So, it's just like you live in a house and your house gets infested with termites or, or, or um, insects or pests. When the exterminators come, they don't spray you, they spray your house. It's the same way. Devils attack themselves to our bodies and causes sickness and disease. But God has anointed us as the spiritual exterminators to exterminate every devil out of the house your house in the name of Jesus Christ for 18 years she couldn't raise herself up next verse but when Jesus saw her he called to her and said to her woman you are loosed from your infirmity this is Jesus Jesus Christ, he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. What he did then, he's doing tonight. 
What he has done before, he shall do for you also. I want you to rise up on your feet. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Jesus. I want you to just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost all over this place. If you are baptized in the Holy Ghost. Keep alando shokoto le bandalaba. Before I pray for the sake, I want to ask you to do something. If you are here and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, or maybe you once did, but you're not living for him. And up until tonight, you realize that, man, I need to make things right with God. Don't leave this service knowing that there is something separating between you and God. Jesus preached and said, Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand and believe in the gospel. Tonight is your night. This whole service is for you. Believe in the gospel. You are here. God is dealing with your heart. You know. You know. I don't have to sell it to you, but you know that you need to make things right with God. With every eye closed, every head bowed. I want you to lift up your right hand and wave it at me and say, Preacher, I need to make things right with God before I leave. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? I need to make things right. I see your hand on this Tuesday night. Let me tell you this. If you came to church on Tuesday night and you haven't received Jesus and you leave without receiving Jesus, then you are your own problem. Because nobody goes to church on Tuesday night except real Christians. Hallelujah. If you are here, say, preacher, I want you to pray with me to make things right. We're going to lift up your hand and wave it at me. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand all over this place. Everyone that lifted up their hand, I want you to quickly join me in the front. The ones with the most boldness come first quickly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Anybody else? The Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If the Lord is wrestling with your heart, dealing with your heart, and you know you need to receive Jesus, I'm just going to give you a few seconds whilst um, Brother Tim plays something on the sax. Let the Lord deal with your heart. Let the Lord work with you and then come and receive Jesus.